Welcome to Scary Savannah and Beyond. What are you doing? I'm a vampire. That was last week. Uh. I'm ready to do our episode on Ghost Cowboys. Yeehaw! Did you even look at the script? Oh, sorry about that. What exactly does a vampire have to do with witches? We're talking about witches? Never mind. Let's just go again. Welcome to Scary Savannah and Beyond. This will be episode number 50. Nice round number. It is. And it approaches 52. 52. (laughs) Which we determined is not actually going to be our one year anniversary episode. It's going to be episode number... 51. 51, but we'll call it 52. Because for some reason we started with episode zero. We'll we'll call it 52A, Okay. then 52B. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. It makes so much more sense. Almost as much sense. So we're sense skipping 51 entirely. As the fact that I have fangs. <laughs> Those are nice. Yeah, I should probably wear these all the time. I think so. It's a good look. It's a good look for me. It is. I should put some makeup on too. <laughs> Just a little. So if you'd like to find us online, you can do so by going to scarysavannahandbeyond.com or any of our social media platforms using the username Scary Savannah. If this doesn't scare people, I don't know what will. Everything I do is frightfully good. Please go on. There goes my tooth. <laughs> Seems that this vampire has bad oral hygiene, as it were. Who'd you get to do your veneers? I don't know, but I need to go back and figure out. Get your money back. Get a refund. Get get your money back. Bigger teeth next time or something. (laughs) So go check out our Patreon where we have exclusive episodes and content that you can get for as low as $3 a month to help support the podcast. And we're also currently talking about cryptids from A to Z. I think we made it all the way to Kansas now. We did make it to Kansas. Wait, we're not in Kansas anymore. We're not anymore. We're going somewhere else. We are Kentucky. going somewhere else, yeah. And please check out our website and go to the merch tab because we have all kinds of cool new merchandise, including shirts with cryptids on them, shirts with the state of Idaho on it, which is also a cryptid in some circles. If you want to see us wearing those shirts, go join our Patreon and you can see us in the latest episode. You certainly can. And it's an illustrious look on both of us, I must say. Illustrious. Illustrious is a new word that I picked up in uh, Transylvania. Okay. Which is where vampires are from. Why do you sound like a redneck vampire? Because I'm from Transylvania, Pennsylvania. You sound, sound more like Vampire Bill. Vampire? No, if I sound like Vampire Bill, like, I'm more from Transylvania than Pennsylvania. That's about as good of a copy I thought it was of Louisiana. his accent That's where as they his were. accent is of a Louisiana Because he's British, I think. Because he's British. Yeah. Telephone. What is it they say that gives them away every time? Um, anything. Anything. They can't say anything. It's anything. And speaking of spooky needs for drinking beverages, not necessarily what's on my face, but what's in her cup is the need to fill it with coffee. And you do that by going to our website and clicking on the little yellow coffee cup icon on the bottom left, and you can donate coffees to Crystal's Coffee Fund, which helps support the podcast. Yeah, I finally got my new Anoka, Minnesota, Capital Halloween, Halloween Capital of the World. 
mug. Isn't it cute? It's very cute, and it's very green. Apparently, Halloween comes in the color green. Green, and the inside's purple. Oh, it looks black it's to me. It's purple. But then again, I am a creature of the night, so yeah, I only, only see, see black. the black. What's my one fang? And it's ceramic, too. I expected it to be metal or something. Didn't even get smashed on the it's way nice. in. Thanks, Anoka. Yeah, we love it. And speaking of coffee, we would both like to thank my friend, Alan, who went through the trouble to make us some custom coffee slash iced coffee slash whatever adult beverage you may prefer <laughs> that night kind of mug. And we've got them right here on the set, don't we? Yeah, I love mine. I can't wait to use it it's when gonna, I get some more coffee. And when you get some more coffees, get her some coffees so she can put it in this mug because this thing's gigantic. Look how big this thing is. No, that'll last me like a couple hours. Yeah, and it's got, you see, it's got our little ghost on it and it's the newer logo that I made, which we've got several now because it can't be stopped by. Conventional weapons. Right. So thank you, Alan, for Thanks, doing Alan. that. Thanks, Alan. So, Crystal, please tell me, how have you been this week? Well, all I can say now is I'm a Padres fan at this point. So you gave up on the Braves? Well, they gave up, apparently. They definitely did not look like the team in the postseason that they looked like the whole rest of the year. Yeah. But, to be fair, neither did the Mets. Or the Dodgers. Or the Dodgers. So at least there's some solace in that. Yeah. And there's always next year because they do have an awesome team staying. A lot of the players resigned. So they had between them over 300 wins in the season and combined they had three wins in the postseason. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It is insane. But other than that, I'm excellent. It's been a very interesting week. Remember last week we told everyone we were going to visit the haunted attraction, the Ali Terror Plantation. I do recall that one well, really well. We got all our kids together with all their significant others, and we headed out there Saturday night. And after waiting in line for nearly an hour and a half, there was a gun scare. You know, we were just standing there playing a game with a phone where you, like, put the phone on your head, and it has a word on it, and you try to get the person to guess the name of whatever's on the screen, and they obviously can't see it. No. And we were, like, all wrapped up in that. And all of a sudden, it's like a stampede of people just come crashing through the barriers. You have to picture this. We're standing in a line outdoors waiting to go into a building. And these barricades they set up to form the lines are like the metal barricades they'll put up to block off streets for traffic. So they're pretty substantial, and they're made out of pipe, and they're heavy. It's not like little tape and stuff. And we're doing this game, like she said, and all of a sudden, we felt people running into us. And turn around and looked, and there are a lot of people at this event that I would say are looking to cause trouble. Mm. You know, a bunch of young people, they're a little rowdy and such. So we just assume a big fight had broken out. But then everybody was running away. And Screaming, I said, That's yelling, weird. it was total chaos. And then they said, there's a gun. And from that point forward, it just went nuts. Yeah, and like everyone was knocking the barriers over. And as I was going over one, someone was knocking it over and my shoe got caught under it. So I lost my shoe. And I think she was in a state of shock because all she talked about the whole time this was going on was her shoe. Well, it was after we realized there was no gun. Well, we didn't know there wasn't a gun. Well, nothing. We didn't hear any gunshots. There was never any gunshots. We did not hear any gunshots. And they say they resolved it and there was no gun involved. So we're (laughs) going to go back. We're going to try it again. We'll actually have been there when this episode releases because we're planning on going 
either on Friday or Saturday. Yeah. So hopefully there won't be a gun at that event, but if there is, and we'll basically be telling you about both of them. But as far as scare factors go, I'll give this a 10 so far. It was, uh, <laughs> we yeah. were all scared. I would not have been that scared in any event they would have done Otherwise. with the teenage actors that they had yeah. there, which it may be a fantabulous event. We'll find out when we go there on Friday or but Saturday. So far, it's been scary. It was terrifying. I highly don't recommend the experience we had. But maybe it's better when there's no gun scares. So this spooky season, we've been talking all things Halloween. Though today's Halloween is mostly a fun celebratory event, its origins are laced with darkness and mystery, as we've been discussing. If you want to hear more about the origins of Halloween, go back and listen to episode 48, where we delve into the customs and traditions that have melded together to make up our modern day version. Last week, we dove into an iconic Halloween staple, the vampire. Yeah, the vampire. <laughs> Who's having problems with his teeth? I'm one of them older vampires. They just don't stick in like they used to. This week, we're going to be looking into another Halloween figure, the witch. Is that why you're dressed up so witchily? It is. Witches and Halloween seem to go hand in hand. It's probably one of the first images that come to most people's minds when they think of Halloween, along with pumpkins and candy. And one-tooth vampires. Now that's all I'll ever think about. <laughs> Let's find out why and how we got to the version of the witch as we know it today. When you think of a witch, what is the first image that comes to mind? Well, I have to say that the first thing that pops into my mind is an old, green, ugly woman with warts, a black dress, and a pointy hat who rides on her broom with her black cat. Does any of this sound like what you would think? So not like me at all. No, not at all. Look how sparkly you are. I know. I need a disco ball. You do. You come out and roller skates. Yeah, that would be fun. So where did this image come from, and how does it differ from what ancient cultures perceived as witches? Both the ancient Romans and Greeks had a version of a witch. Greek witches were often described as young and beautiful. So like, you'd have been a Greek witch. Well, like Circe, who lured men to her island and then turned them into pigs. So, yes, I would be like Cersei. I was a pig on my own to start with. <laughs> this ain't even a costume. This is just what I wear when I'm working during the day. Roman witches are usually portrayed as ugly old hags. In Roman folklore, a female witch was known as a Strix. A Strix was a screech owl that could take on the form of a human. The Strix was believed to practice all forms of magic, participate in blood sacrifices, and consume human children. Oh, that's uh, scary looking. Yeah. In almost all ancient cultures, there were groups of women known as wise women who conducted rituals for curing ailments, birthing babies, fighting wars, etc. Basically anything a society needed, they looked to these women for help. They would gather in a circle of salt and use benign objects and recite their incantations. This was seen as a good thing in most cases, but over time, the image changed. One of the earliest records of a witch is found in the Bible in 1 Samuel, which is believed to have been written between 931 B.C. and 721 B.C. In this account, King Saul asked the witch of Endor to summon the dead prophet Samuel to ask for his guidance to defeat the Philistines. It was a mistake on his part. It was. So the witch summons Samuel, and he prophesies that Saul, along with his sons, will die. In the battle the next day, Saul's sons are killed by the Philistines, and Saul falls on his sword in agony. Ouch. 
Other verses in the Bible condemn witches such as Exodus 22.18 that says, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. It also warns against divination, chanting, or using witches to make contact with the dead. As the Roman Catholic Church spread throughout Europe, it sought to stamp out what they considered heretical beliefs, including those that practice witchcraft. In the 11th century, Bishop Burchard of Worms said of certain sinful beliefs, quote, Some wicked women, turning back to Satan and seduced by the illusions and phantasms of demons, believe that in the night hours they ride on certain animals with the pagan goddess Diana and a countless multitude of women, and they cross a great span of the world in stillness of the dead of night. So sort of like a dark Santa Claus. Basically. Okay. As the Black Plague swept through Europe in the 14th century, they believed it was directly caused by the devil. One in every three people were dying at this time, and it led to hysteria. I imagine. They believed they were under attack from evil itself. Everything could be attributed to these dark forces, such as failed crops, sick animals, stillborn children. Everything that went wrong was the work of the devil. It's a lot easier to focus on some... Supernatural. Supernatural reasoning for these things. Well, they wholeheartedly believed in the supernatural. Well, I mean, you can believe in the supernatural, but there's a difference between believing in it and being like, it's the cause for everything. Mm -hmm. Which is easier because then it's nobody's fault, except for women, apparently, but I guess you'll get to that. The church established a tribunal called the Inquisition to rid the land of anyone who might possibly be in league with the devil— They considered witchcraft to be the worst of crimes, believing one who practiced the dark arts had sold their soul to the devil and thereby put everyone at risk. They needed a way to be able to identify these witches, so in 1486, a book was published to help witch hunters. Yes, there were people who were employed solely to hunt witches, and it was a quite lucrative career choice. I imagine they weren't as cool as like Van Helsing was in that movie we watched. Remember that? Was that Hugh Jackman that was Van Helsing? Uh, it's an old movie. It's I can't remember. But... I like that movie. No one else did. I liked it. Well, this book was called The Malleus Maleficarum, which translates to The Hammer of Witches. Is that Latin? Yeah, I think it's Latin. It, Latin is the most uh, coolest sounding language to talk about books in. No matter what book it is, all of them sound like it's something like, this thing's got power. It was written by two German Dominican monks, Heinrich Kramer and Jacob Springer. The book suggested that women were weak and susceptible to the guiles of the devil. Here are some quotes from the Malleus Maleficarum. Quote, When a woman thinks alone, she is evil. Through the first effect of their intelligence, women are more prone to abjure the faith. Sounds like a man who ain't ever met a woman. (laughs) Yeah, you'll find this quite misogynistic. He is a monk, so he probably hasn't. (laughs) Quote, What else is a woman but a foe to friendship? They are evil, lecherous, vain, and evil, which he already said. All witchcraft comes from carnal lust, which in a woman is insatiable. So he just goes further to show he's never met a woman. Yeah, because in my life experience, I've found the opposite to be true. But hey, I am a woman, so what do I know? Yeah, what would you know? After (laughs) all, you are a woman. And according to my copy of the Malasafius Macatron, (laughs) you are always prone to evil thoughts. Like you're thinking of me right now by butchering that word. That might be true. Also, according to the Malleus, the only way a woman can avoid succumbing to her passions and becoming a witch is to embrace a life of devout chastity in a religious retreat. But the monastic life is reserved to the spiritually gifted few. Therefore, most women are doomed to become witches who cannot be redeemed 
and the only recourse open to the authorities is to ferret out and exterminate all witches. Well, it's a very strong tendency of the Catholic Church to have inquisitions to go out and hunt the heathens. Well, this was used by both Protestant and Catholic Church. For the same purposes. For the Catholic Church. yeah, Yeah, because they were both vying for control, and they both believed that witches were at work, and they wanted to rid them. Well, it is true that the Bible says those things in the Old Testament about witches. But a lot of these people conveniently overlook a lot of the other scriptures that they had at the time to see that maybe going out and lynching people and burning people at the stake or whatever else happened to these witches isn't exactly maybe what Jesus wanted to happen. Yeah, they took it very to the very extreme. But yet, at the same time, I bet they wore clothing with different types of materials in it and were probably eating ham. Shave their beards. Shave their beards. Yeah. Eating a shellfish. Yeah. So they I pick and know. choose what works for them sometimes. That's how humanity usually operates. So most of the women accused as witches had strong personalities and were known to defy convention by overstepping the lines of proper female decorum. I bet they showed their ankles. They, no, I doubt that. <laughs> Most were societal outcast, elderly women, or a woman with an opinion. Well, you would have never made it. <laughs> I would have been burned at you the stake. You <laughs> never made it. They wouldn't even have to got to the point where they found your dog familiar. They'd be like, no. well, string her up. Yeah, she talked. <laughs> How dare she have that blonde hair? Oh, I couldn't have had the blonde hair. This book was extremely detailed and walked you through exactly how to spot a witch and how to prove that he or she, usually she, was one. For example, you never ask, are you a witch? You say, when did you become a witch? <laughs> That's a yeah, little you just turn go straight for the... It's like, I don't give you the opportunity to even begin to, to deny, deny it. it. Yeah. You're like, straight for the third. Sir Crystal, when did you become a witch? And then you're like caught off guard. I don't you're know. Like, oh, maybe, maybe I am. <laughs> wait a second. One sign of being a witch is that you would be unable to weep under torture or when a judge is asking you questions. So why wouldn't you just weep then? Yeah, like why wouldn't you fake it? Seems like it'd be pretty easy to do. For the next 200 years, this book sold more copies than any other book other than the Bible. Wow, these monks probably got really rich if they lived 200 years. Yeah, I don't think they profited off of it. Maybe they did. This book really got into the heads of people everywhere. Every little thing could cause someone to accuse their neighbor of witchcraft. Anything could be twisted and used as evidence. Your neighbor looked at you funny and now your husband is sick. Well, she must be a witch. Witch. You got a rash after taking your clothes off the line. Your neighbor must have cursed you. So she's witch. Your cow isn't producing milk today. Someone cursed you. The cow and the person's a witch. Things were really getting out of control. You're a witch. I may be. The 16th century brought about the belief that witches had the ability to fly. They would use the skill to gather at night for what was called the Witch's Sabbath. What went on at the Sabbath was believed to be a lot of naked dancing and dining upon the flesh of infants, at which point Satan himself would appear. This just sounds so outrageous, but they really believed. Some people actually really believed it, and I think the rest of them followed along because of mob mentality. mentality. The church and their inquisition really doubled down, and thousands were arrested and accused of witchcraft. The accused were stripped and searched for the mark of the devil. If you had a mole, You're you witch. were a witch. If you had a birthmark, witch. If you had a wart, witch. Yeah, any 
blemish on your skin could be construed as... Oh, my goodness. I would be burnt at the stake before they even looked at my body. <laughs> Back, well, he is one Skin big, cancer. He You're is a witch. a witch. Look at that. That's the most witchy witch I ever did see. These things alone were enough to condemn you to death. But the catch is, you had to confess. It was against the law to kill someone unless they admitted that they were a witch. To solve this little problem, the Inquisition simply tortured the subject until they confessed. It's just like a little loophole they yeah. found. It's like very convenient. Even though torture had been outlawed previously, they brought it back because desperate times call for desperate measures. How else are we going to get them to say they're a witch unless we, you know, put uh, bamboo shoots under their fingernails or whatever it is they end up doing here? We've all heard the term the third degree. This is said to have originated from this time of torture as there were three levels or degrees of torture, with the third usually ending in death. I was not aware of this. This is very interesting. Most people confess before this point. The accused were subjected to barbaric forms of torture such as thumb screws, leg screws, head clamps, and a device akin to the Iron Maiden, which was a box with spikes all on the inside that a person was forced to stand inside of. Which is almost as bad as the actual Iron Maiden. I think it was made of iron. Maiden. I think these were made of wood, maybe. Wood. The Malleus Maleficarum instructed those conducting the torture to never look at the suspected witch directly in the eye, or she may bewitch them and cause them to feel compassion for her. Hmm, sounds like a convenient way to look through that loophole of, hey, you might realize you are a terrible person because yeah. you're hurting somebody. But no, don't look them in the eye. You might feel bad for humanize what you're doing them, yeah. and humanize them. One way to test for a witch is called swimming the witch. The accused was bound and put into water, and if she floated, she was a witch. If she sank and drowned, she was innocent. But either way, she was going to die. There were many tests used to identify witches, all of them bizarre. One way was to weigh a person against a stack of Bibles. Because it was believed that witches could fly, it was presumed that they would be lighter than a stack of Bibles. You know, people were probably sitting around a table somewhere when they came up with these things. And they're like, well, it only makes sense that if you weigh less than a stack of Bibles, that you could fly. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, well, what about this little kid here that weighs less than the Bibles? And he can't fly. Well, let's burn him at the stake just they, to make sure. They accuse children as well. Really? Mm-hmm. Not as often as women, but yes, there were children. Another test was the prick test. A person would have their skin pricked with needles all over until the torturer found a spot that didn't cause pain. Why wouldn't you just fake that it did if you really, you know, were a witch? Exactly. Just say ow to everything. Because they're going to be poking you all over anyway, apparently, if yeah. I'm understanding this test. So then you'd be like, ah, and yeah. then 30 minutes later, you're like, ah, oh, no, no. That's fine. Right there, that's a good one. Stay they would there. like scrape their skin. It was all kinds of crazy. Mm. They had all these weird things I read about. One of them was a urine test where they would take urine and bake it into a cake. And then they often believed that witches' familiars were dogs mm -hmm. instead of cats. Well, also cats, but mainly dogs. And mm -hmm. they would give the cake to a dog. And if the dog ate it? No, the dog would eat it because the dogs are gross. Of course, it's going to eat it. But then they'd be like, okay, track that scent that you just ate to a home. So it would like run into random homes. And it could be like people that he, the dog had never met. And it would just like go up to somebody. And they'd be like, oh, this is a witch. So they, they, it's a witch. And then the dog was just looking for the apple pie cool yeah. in the window. 
Yeah, it was nuts. They did these weird things. And somebody thought this made sense. Right. In the sense, in the scale and balance of life and death, yeah. they thought this made sense. Yeah, it was nuts. Most so-called witches who confessed were burned at the stake because they believed it necessary to reduce the body to ashes so she couldn't return and seek vengeance, much like those revenants we learned about last week. Yes. The hysteria over witches lasted for over 200 years throughout Europe, with the majority of burnings occurring in France and Germany. These are known as the burning times. On a single day in Germany, over 130 witches were burned. In Würzburg, Germany, they concluded that most of the town were witches, some 600 people. 19 of the accused were priests and 41 were children. In some German towns, the entire female population was burned. They just, this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's hard I had to believe. No idea. It's just really hard to believe that this happened. It is. The exact number of victims of these witch hunts cannot be determined, but the estimates range from 60,000 to 300,000. Mm. There's just no real way to know. Apparently, that and, is a pretty big discrepancy. Yeah. Because it's it was everywhere. It wasn't just like in Germany or just France. It was all over the all over Europe. If they're killing off whole villages of people, then I'm mm-hmm. sure there might not have been enough people left to tell the story of what actually happened. And they probably didn't keep records and things, you know. Conveniently. In 1597, King James VI of Scotland published a book called Daemonology. This was a handbook on how to recognize and destroy witches. His reasoning for his war on witches was his belief that something supernatural was out to destroy him. When he was with his new wife on a ship bound for their honeymoon trip, their ship was struck by a huge storm. He claimed the storm was brought on by witches and set out to wage war on these evil forces. One of those he believed that caused the storm was Agnes Sampson. She was a woman who used herbs for healing purposes and was previously well-respected. King James personally interrogated her, which was highly unusual at the time Hmm. since he was the king. She initially denied her involvement with witchcraft and the devil, but after being subjected to excruciating torture, she confessed. She gave like really outlandish confessions, and so much so that he had trouble believing her. He was convinced, however, when she was able to relay to him private conversations that he had had with his wife while Agnes was several hundred miles away. Okay, that sounds a little suspect. It is, except that in castles and such, you know, there are servants around and things like that. And it could have been something overheard and it could have been told, you know, it could have been relayed in some sort of way, mm-hmm. not necessarily supernatural. But then again, we can't rule out the fact that maybe it was. Yeah, she could have been a witch. I mean, it's not to say that no one's ever been a witch, but I just find it hard to believe that 60 this, to 300,000 oh, people no. were, no, no, no. including children. Oh, definitely not. She even confessed to being part of a coven of 200 witches that were to worship the devil and assassinate the king. Agnes and many others were then burned at the stake. So I guess she was just going all in, all in on it because, you Maybe know, she's like— Maybe if I keep telling these crazy stories like Scheherazade or whoever just keeps talking and she gets to stay alive as long nights. as she keeps telling these stories. Now, that was somebody else that does that. We'll learn about somebody who actually does do that. Hmm. Interesting. This sparked a flurry of subsequent witch trials throughout Scotland, with around 2,500 people being arrested and executed. Under torture, many victims would give the names of others that they were supposedly in league with. So, you know, you're like, tell me who else is a witch, tell me, and they're going to tell you at some some point point you're going to break. A woman named Margaret Aitken, 
who was herself being accused of being a witch, came forward and said, yeah, I'm a witch, but I can help you identify other witches as they all have a secret mark in their eye. And only I can see it. Yeah, so right? she was, yeah. So she was like, what you're talking about, she's going to keep herself alive. Just here. get even more and more outlandish. And it's going to keep on going as long as I'm not burning, baby. Yeah. She was taken along with authorities for several months and identified many witches. So she's having a lot of success identifying witches and keeping herself off the burning stake until she makes a fatal mistake. One day, they take her to a woman and ask her to reveal if she's a witch or not, to which Margaret looks into the woman's eyes and quickly proclaims that she is, in fact, a witch. Plus, she has a mole, and that right there is just 100% proof. Well, she says she's a witch, but the problem is they had already had this woman investigated by Margaret, and she had said she wasn't a witch. The woman in question Uh was simply wearing different clothes, and Margaret hadn't recognized her. She had grown a beard and shaved (laughs) it off. So she was busted. She was exposed as a fraud and burned at the stake on August 12th, 1597. But she had a run of a few months of reprieve. She had a good run of uh, getting (laughs) other people killed. A lot of other people murdered. What a great person she turned out to be. By the early 17th century, the witch hysteria began to die down a bit in Europe, but it made its way to the New World. In Windsor, Connecticut in 1647, Alcee Young was the first person in America executed for witchcraft. Before Connecticut's final witch trial took place in 1697, 46 people were accused of witchcraft in Connecticut and 11 were put to death for the crime. In Salem, Massachusetts in 1692, A witch panic swept through, leaving 14 women and 5 men dead, all condemned as witches. The Puritans who had settled the town of Salem were devoutly religious and believed wholeheartedly in dark forces and were determined to keep them out of their village. One day, two young girls, Elizabeth Paris and Abigail Williams, began suffering from convulsions and fits, and they were just all sorts of crazy. And a few days later, nine other young girls began showing the same symptoms. Like me, I know what you're thinking. Witches. The immediate conclusion is that the girls must be afflicted by witches. Exactly. The girls confessed the names of three witches. Sarah Good, who was a beggar. Sarah Osborne, who was an elderly widow. And Tituba, who was an enslaved woman. Tituba confessed after being tortured. She confessed to being the devil's servant. She claimed that a tall man who was dressed all in black came to them and demanded that they sign their names in his book. She says she didn't want to sign but was forced to by Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne. She also said she saw Sarah Good with black and yellow birds around her and that she had sent those birds to harm the girls. In another episode of Fits by the Girls, Tituba said that she saw a yellow bird in Sarah Good's hand. The girls said they saw it also. So yellow and black birds are signs of being in league with the devil himself. What she was using to perform her magic, apparently. Yellow and black birds. Yep. Use what you, you just, got. You just don't know Use in this what's world on hand. today. In this world today. Sarah Good had a young daughter named Dorothy, or Dorcas. She was four years old, but that didn't stop them from arresting and interrogating her. A four-year-old. A four-year-old. Dorothy said that her mother had given her a snake that could talk to her, and it sucked blood from her finger. They believed this to be the witch's familiar, which is a servant in animal form. As a four-year-old. 
with an because imagination of a four-year-old. don't have imaginations and make things up and are coerced to say maybe what other people want them to say. Yeah, they said they looked at her finger and they saw like a little red spot the size of like a flea bite. And that was their evidence that That's she was telling the truth. Now, like, where's the snake? Show us the snake. Oh, by the way, little girl, <laughs> can you fly? Yes, I can. Well, that would be even worse. <laughs> You're going up on the the the, the, the gallows too. When it was Sarah Good's chance to defend herself, she denied her involvement in witchcraft and blamed Tituba and Osborne. It didn't matter, as she was found guilty and sentenced to death. Sarah Good, who was pregnant at the time, gave birth in prison to an infant she named Mercy. Sadly, the child died before Sarah was executed. She was hanged along with four other women on July 29, 1692. The other four women remained quiet, but she loudly proclaimed her innocence— the Reverend Nicholas Noyes tried unsuccessfully to get her to confess, but according to legend, she yelled at him, I am no more a witch than you are a wizard, and if you take away my life, God will give you blood to drink. And according to that legend, it says that the Reverend died 25 years later from choking on his own blood. That sounds so hardcore that I think we might have actually said that in our famous last words episode. I think we did, and I think there's another one coming up that we did. Sarah Osborne, who had not attended church in nearly three years, but this was due to illness, not because she was a heathen, was also in a legal dispute with another local family, which they threw accusations at her. Uh Uh-oh, legal dispute. Sounds like she's a witch. Mm -hmm. She was jailed and refused to confess. She died in prison while awaiting her trial. It was believed she was around 49 years old. Dorothy was in custody from March of 1692 until... December of 1692. So they kept that child in prison for months. A four-year-old. A four-year-old. But she was never indicted or tried. She was released on bond. Tichuba was later released despite her confession. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes no sense. There's nothing more about that story. It said, one, one account that I read was that she was sold to another person later on, and then she just disappeared from history. Like, you don't know what happened to her mm. after that. As I said, it wasn't only women that were accused of witchcraft. A wealthy farmer named Giles Corey was accused and tortured. He was stripped naked and forced to lie in a field where his accusers covered him with a large board. Then they proceeded to place large boulders on top of him. For two days, he endured this torture and refused to plead guilty to the alleged crimes, instead repeatedly asking for more weight to be placed upon him. Legend says his last words as he was pressed to death are, Damn you, I curse you, and Salem. I think that one was on the episode, too. Yeah, I think he either said that or the other version is he just kept saying more weight. More! I think that's what we said he said, but... You can see his gravestone says he was pressed to death. I saw these things when I went to Salem, Massachusetts. I I want to go back. We need to go together. But you didn't know the stories then, did you? I did not, but they did have historical placards and markers around the place. I read every single one of them. I promptly forgot them. Yeah, it's been, it was in 2012. So it's been been a a few years. Giles Corey's wife, Martha who was also accused of witchcraft, was hung three days later. We're just accusing everybody left and right. You get a trial. You get a trial. You get a trial. Well, see, he refused to plead one way or the other. He wouldn't say he was, and he wouldn't say he wouldn't. He would only say more weight because he owned land, and if he were to confess to being a witch or be found guilty, then he would have lost the land to the state. 
mm-hmm. and he wanted it to go to his family, his sons-in-law. And, and so by not making a plea, they couldn't take his land. Uh-huh. So smart man. Yeah. So it did end up going to his family. That's the only good thing. That, the whole family being witches. You're in league with him. It's well, he did get his coming. wife, unfortunately. Oh, no. Yeah. According to a local legend, the apparition of Giles Corey appears and walks his graveyard each time a disaster is about to strike the city. Notably, he was said to have appeared the night before the Great Salem Fire of 1914. Mm. The events that occurred in Salem spread to many nearby villages and nearly 200 more people were accused of practicing witchcraft, with 27 of them being found guilty and 19 of those put to death by hanging. One of the most famous witches in Virginia's history is Grace Sherwood. Her neighbors accused her of killing their pigs and hexing their cotton. She was brought to trial in 1706. Mm. These are serious crimes, apparently. Yeah, you don't mess with the cotton. So they used the water test that we were talking about earlier. They bound her arms and legs and threw her in the water. You know, if she sank, then she was innocent. Well, we're sorry about that. Unfortunately, she didn't sink. Uh Uh-oh, she's floating. She did. So she was convicted of being a witch, but they didn't kill her. They put her in prison for eight years. So as far as witch trials go, I don't know. They're burning everybody. And then she's like, well, she's a witch. In the United States, they mostly hung them. They didn't burn them. But either way, she got off easier than a lot of them did. Eventually, the witch trials ended when the witch hunters accused the wife of the governor of Massachusetts of being a witch. Uh Uh-oh. This is what some scholars speculate put an end to these witch hunts. Others believe advances in science contributed to the end of the burning times and the hanging. When they figured out it wasn't spirits dictating everything they thought was evil or bad. Yeah, they began to see that the deaths and the bad luck once attributed to the supernatural curse of a witch could be explained by real-world culprits like bacteria and disease. There was even a satirical article which appeared in the Pennsylvania Gazette in 1730. It's believed to have been written by Benjamin Franklin. Oh, Benji. Yeah, it, it was like showing the ridiculousness of witchcraft accusations. And the article was like showing the ridiculousness of the witch trials and the accusations. I, I think it'd be interesting if you could find that article and read it. It's probably pretty funny. I'll look for it. <laughs> you should. It wasn't long before witch mania finally died down in the New World and laws were passed to help protect people from being wrongly accused and convicted. By the early 20th century, the witch was viewed more the way we see it now. Characters in books and movies like The Wizard of Oz and later more lighthearted characters like Samantha, the suburban housewife witch and Bewitched, and more modern adaptations like Sabrina, the teenage witch. And then Sabrina, the teenage witch. Yeah. It's not, it's called The Chilling Tales of Sabrina. The Chilling Tales yeah, so of the Teenage Witch, Sabrina. Yeah, so it goes a little bit dark witch, again. Sabrina. Yeah, it's going to go darker a little bit there. A little tiny bit. Yeah. The practice of witchcraft, however, did not die when the trials ended. Today's modern witches practice what is known as Wicca, which means craft of the wise. Now let's talk about some of the more famous people who were accused of being witches throughout history. I would say probably the first one that comes to my mind on that list is Mother Shipton. Have you ever heard of her? Of course I haven't. I didn't think so. Mother Shipton was born Ursula Southhill in the 15th century to an unwed mother named Agatha in the village of Knaresborough, England. Wow. Those are a bunch of big words that you pronounced on the first try. You're so <laughs> smart. Agatha refused to give the name of the child's father, and she was ostracized from the town. Because and gave- it was Satan. Yeah. 
and gave birth in a cave on a stormy night in 1488. Ursula was born with a crooked nose, a bent back, and twisted legs. Her grotesque appearance garnered the attention of nearby monks. People speculated that the child was the daughter of Satan himself. People are stupid. Yeah. So some accounts of when she was young, her mother said that she went, when she was two years old, she went to run an errand. And when she came back, they, she couldn't find her daughter. She wasn't in the crib. And then when she came in, they were looking for her and they found her naked and cackling, perched on top of the iron bar where the pot hooks were fastened above the fireplace. Any kind of kid would do something like that. Come on. <laughs> so then when she was a little older, her mother sent her to do some errands and she went past um, some people and they started mocking her, calling her hag face and the devil's bastard. So she just kept walking. And when these men sat back down, one of them, you know, the rough, you know, they wore those collar, big white collar Them thingies. big ruffles. Yeah. Well, suddenly it turned into a toilet seat and clapped down around his neck. <laughs> That's awesome. And then the man next to him started to laugh at him. But when he did, the hat he was wearing was suddenly a chamber pot. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like this witch has got the special skills. So then this other guy hears this happening. So he comes like running through the door. Don't tell me. He turns into a portage john. <laughs> no. Suddenly he grows these huge horns out of his head and he gets stuck in the doorway. Ha uh-huh. ha That was where I was going with yeah. that. Yeah. So all this stuff like transformed back into its normal self in like a few minutes, but. She, uh, they, yeah, this happened. Well, they clearly. didn't mock her after this, so maybe. Maybe it did happen. Maybe. Maybe she had the power of the toilet. <laughs> she did. Just imagine what she could do these days. Mother be like, Shipton. Be like a bidet. <laughs> and I don't even know what a bidet is, but they're fancy. You don't want to know. Mm. You do know. <laughs> Ursula was eventually sent to live with a local family while her mother was sent to a convent where she died shortly thereafter. Ursula would often find her way back to the cave where she was born. She preferred to be alone and wound up living in the cave until she married at age 24. She married a carpenter named Tobias Shipton, and people couldn't understand why someone would marry such a hideous woman and concluded that she must have bewitched him. Tobias died just two years after their union. People speculated that she had something to do with it, but... Ursula ended up making her living by telling the future of all those that came to her, she was very accurate in her predictions, earning her the moniker Prophetess of Nairsboro. It's said that she made many predictions, such as the Black Plague, the Great Fire of London, submarines, airplanes, and possibly even the internet. Her predictions wow. were said to be as accurate as her contemporary Nostradamus. However, I also read that she predicted the world was going to end in like 1981. So, But how do you know it didn't? <laughs> Are we even in this world? Who Are knows? we even real? I mean, Nostradamus got some things wrong, too. <laughs> the cave where she was born is a tourist destination today. You can actually I go there. I was half expecting to see that it had urinals in it. Oh, that would be cool. It might. Next up is Alice Keitler. Alice was the first woman to be accused and convicted of witchcraft in Ireland. This was in the early 1300s. She was widowed three times, leaving her a wealthy woman. Her fourth husband became sick and began to suspect that his young wife was a witch. Uh-oh. It happens. His fingernails and hair began to fall out, and he died before he could change his will. 
Alice inherited his money, and his family resented her for this. They went to the church and accused her of witchcraft. They charged her with cutting up animals to use in sacrifices, as well as holding meetings at night where she practiced black magic. Alice fled to England before she could be tried, so instead they arrested her servant, who they tortured until she confessed that Alice was indeed a witch. Sounds like a sound investigative technique. The servant was burned at the stake, just for confessing. Just for being there. Mm -hmm. No one knows what became of Alice as she disappeared from history. She probably took her money and run. <laughs> took the money and run. Germany's most famous witch was Amerga Bien. They believe she killed her second husband and children, and along with 200 other people, she was burned at the stake for crimes, even though she was pregnant at the time. They concluded that it was the devil's child, so it was okay to burn it too. What society would be like? Their it's logic okay. was that she had been married to her husband for 14 years and they were childless. And now all of a sudden she's pregnant, so it must be the it must be the, the devil. devil's it can't child. Be the fact that maybe it could be a miracle. It could be just a had issues with uh, <laughs> things. Well, I mean, that didn't happen. A right lot then. of people, you know, go many years, you know, with infertility, and at some point they do have a baby. It's not impossible. With the devil, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Guess they just didn't understand. That. Man, I can't believe that. I know. Like, they didn't even wait for her to have the baby. They just, oh, it's the devil's child. It's crazy. Mm. The first woman put to death as a witch in England was Agnes Waterhouse. It started when her sister Elizabeth was accused of witchcraft. Elizabeth confessed to owning a cat named Satan. <laughs> she said the cat had taught her witchcraft when she was 12 years old, and he would do anything she wanted in exchange for a drop of blood. So I'm thinking that this girl probably had mental issues and needed to see a doctor, not be killed. Yeah, I would agree with that. Elizabeth gave her cat, Satan, to her sister, Agnes, in exchange for a cake. There, take Satan. <laughs> I need some of that good old red velvet. No, it was a pumpkin. I need some of that good old pumpkin. Agnes used the cat to kill one of her pigs just to see if her sister was telling the truth. Because a cat don't kill stuff. Well, don't kill a pig. Can. How when big is the pig? How big is the cat? I don't know. Exactly. When she saw that the cat really was magical, she used it to kill the cows of a family she was having a disagreement with. Okay, at that point, maybe it's not a normal cat. But the 12-year-old daughter of this family claimed that a creature who appeared dog-like showed up and threatened her life with a knife, promising to kill her. That must have been Satan. She asked the dog who its owner was, and he motioned his head toward Agnes's house. Agnes's daughter, Joan, was also accused of witchcraft. She admitted that the cat had offered to do anything she wanted in exchange for her soul. Oh, the price went up before it was just, just a drop, drop of blood. blood. She said that she refused the cat's offer, and she was found innocent. Agnes, however, though she never confessed, was found guilty and sentenced to death. Them's the breaks. I think uh, her sister Elizabeth was not found guilty at that time, but mm -hmm. 13 years later, she was tried for different crimes of witchcraft and found guilty and hanged. Well, you know, you can't go too far away from an apple tree before it falls on you and hits you with witchcraft. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that person was mentally ill. That was a famous saying back in the 1300s, by the way. Lastly, we have Mole Dyer who lived in Leonardtown, Maryland in the 1600s. She is said to be one of the inspirations behind the witch in the Blair Witch Project. Well, this one's going to be real creepy then. 
The story goes that Mole lived in a remote cabin and was suspected by the townsfolk of practicing witchcraft. They blamed everything that went wrong in the town on her. The town was experiencing an unusually harsh winter and decided she must be to blame. So they forced her out of her home and into the freezing woods. Her body was found a couple of days later, frozen and slumped over a large stone. Today, there's a road sign named after her, and the stone where she died is said to be cursed. Legend says that touching it will mean certain death. Well, I know where we're going to not go. (laughs) We're not going to touch that. So although widespread panic over witchcraft has died out, people are still persecuted and killed today for supposed witchcraft in some parts of the world. In Papua New Guinea, since 2010, several men and women have been accused and killed, including a young mother who was burned alive. Similar incidents have occurred in Africa, South America, and the Middle East. That is interesting yeah, to know. It's that tragic it still that people on. still hold to that belief. Like when the rest of the world, you know, knows now that it's not the way to do it. Indeed, it is not. So I found some articles in recent news about witches. In an article from August 1st, 2022 from deathpenaltyinfo.org, which I frequent. Me too. I got a subscription <laughs> to that one. <laughs> it reads, as Massachusetts formally exonerated the last person condemned for witchcraft in the colony, efforts are underway to clear the names of the 46 people wrongfully charged with witchcraft in neighboring Connecticut during the 17th century Puritan witch hunts. 329 years after she was wrongfully convicted and sentenced to death, the Massachusetts State Senate amended the state's budget to include a provision to exonerate Elizabeth Johnson Jr., the last of the people convicted during the Salem witch trials of 1692 and 1693 to be legally vindicated of these false charges. Isn't that crazy? That it took that long to do that. 392 years, and they're just now getting around to saying, oh, no, we were wrong entirely. (laughs) I mean, you know, better late than never, I guess. I guess. It's just, it's just, they could have waited another 500 years. I don't think she would have actually minded. Well, I know, but her point. descendants probably, it probably means something to them. I would think it would, yeah. So apparently there's still 46 people in Connecticut that haven't been cleared to this point. Well, somebody needs to step up their game here. Well, it says they're getting around to it. Let's go to Massachusetts. Also, according to an article in the Salem News from October 14th, 2022, It reads, a powerful moment emerged at the Salem Witch Trials Memorial this past weekend, but it would have only been caught by those reading scraps of paper left behind. Today, I was visiting the Salem Witch Trials Memorial for the first time, and I happened to notice three notes left on the memorial to Martha Carrier, wrote Tucson, Arizona resident Brendan Ingram this week. I read them and noticed that only two of them were from the descendants of Miss Carrier. The third, Ingram noticed, came from the other side. It read, to Martha, left on a small piece of stationery and pinned down by a rock. I'm so sorry my eighth great uncle, Benjamin Abbott, accused you and had you hung for witchcraft all over a property dispute. Carrier, an Andover resident, found herself at the center of the witch trials in 1692, due in part to smallpox, which claimed several members of her family leading up to the witch trials. After relocating to Andover and becoming personally responsible for her family's estate, Carrier found that the now-affluent town rejected her and connected her to the spread of smallpox in the town. Abbott, for his part, accused Carrier of cursing him after a boundary dispute, according to the Salem Witch Museum. Her conviction was supported partly by screams from accusers 
that the ghost of Andover's 13 smallpox victims were present in court. Crazy. Well, I mean, you can't say they ain't there. (laughs) Carrier was the first Andover resident to be charged with witchcraft, and she was hung August 9th, 1692, alongside four men convicted of the same. A decade later, surviving relatives of Carrier received seven pounds and six shillings as restitution for execution. That's crazy. I know. And what you're talking about there with these ghosts, didn't the witch trials have something to do with the modern legal system? Like it was the formation for something. I think they did end up uh, passing laws that you can't uh, use spectral evidence is the thing that they were talking about. So, you know, because people would be like, I saw her flying through the air. Well, you can't say that. Well, I can't argue with that logic. Yeah, and they... they Apparently, it didn't pass down to say, like, not too far later in the future when they decided to, like, you know, investigate murders with people dressed up as ghosts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I Wouldn't that about be that. like spectral evidence too? But yeah, no, he ain't of. no ghost. This guy is the ghost, but yeah. it's just the guy. And he says, do you recognize me? So thank you for doing all this exhaustive research. It is very informative. And uh, I didn't realize that everyone was so awful. I know. I really, you know, we've heard of the witch trials, but I think you just kind of gloss over it. And don't think about, these are real people. And think about if you were there, like all the people you know, And all the people in our town and people we grew up with. And, you know, imagine just everyone accusing everyone else of witchcraft and people believing it to the point where they would kill you. Like, doesn't make sense. But at the same time, you know, when people start doing it and you. If they don't like you and there's an yeah. easy out to have you taken out of the picture. And they want something that you have or you made them angry over you. You cut them off in traffic. You're a witch. Like, I don't know. There's a witch. She drives that wagon cart the wrong way. He's got one fang. He's got one fang. <laughs> that can't be natural. <laughs> so that brings us to the portion of the show that we like to call. Insert graphic here. Oh, how very spooky of you to get it right. I was going to say it wrong, but I remembered it at the last second. <laughs> what, what we're, we're watching. watching. So this week, we were watching the new series on Netflix called The Midnight Club. And that show is based on a 1994 book of the same name by author Christopher Pike. 27 of Pike's other books were used to compile the series. Yeah, that's a lot. We were watching it, and I'm like, as this happened, I was like, man, all these stories are so cool, and it's based on one novel? This guy's a phenomenal writer. Then I later went and found out that they had embellished it quite a bit. They did use a lot of his other stories, Mm -hmm. but some of the stuff, the main storyline didn't happen the way in the book that it did on the TV show, and based off of what I read about it, because I didn't read the novel. The TV show sounded a lot more interesting yeah. to me. I don't know. You're a big Christopher Pike fan, apparently. She just bought a book on eBay I from did. him that she read when she was a kid. And she said, I remember it all. Yeah, it's so funny. I haven't read it in 30 years, I would say. But as I'm reading it, it's all coming back to me. Are you enjoying it? I am. I mean, it's obviously young adult, so it's not. It's my favorite kind of writing. I know. I really enjoy young adult, but they took it. They took these stories and adultified them for Netflix. A lot more yeah. adultified, I imagine. Yeah. So the synopsis of the show is that a group of eight close 
terminally ill young adults resides in the Brightcliff Home Hospice run by an enigmatic doctor. Because they always got to be enigmatic. Because they always got to be enigmatic. They meet at midnight every night to tell each other scary stories. One night, they make a pact that the first one to succumb to their disease is responsible for communicating to the others from beyond the grave. After one of them dies, bizarre occurrences begin. I love this show. We'll do my rating first. Okay. The show is one of the few shows that I have sat there and binged. And it was like three or four in the morning, and I'm still trying to get Crystal. Yeah, like we have to go to sleep at some point. I watch it. I gotta see how it ends. I want to know. Now, not everything about the show is amazing, but the premise I thought was so cool, especially since I had Mm -hmm. a story idea in my head that I was going to write, and then found out like two days later that it was basically this story. Yeah. Which I thought of on my own. It's not exactly the same, but. He thought of it first. Yeah, he thought of it so in 1994. Pike, you went back into the future from the past and stole my idea before <laughs> I had it. So I hope you're proud of yourself. <laughs> but that being said, I'm going to give this show on our arbitrarily chosen scale of 1 to 12 dog treats. I'm going to go ahead and give it a 10 out of 12 because I thought it was good. I like most of the acting. Some of the stuff they throw on the show, not really for me, but overall, it was an enjoyable show. And I think that uh, if you're a fan of light horror, because it's really what it is, sort of light. It's not a slasher at all, no, anything like that. It's kind of a horror story. It's, it's got a lot of more, jump scares. Yeah, it's got a lot of jump scares. And it's psychological. And they're predictable. Yeah. But I would say this is honestly more of a drama than a horror yeah. movie. You know? Psychological, drama, horror. The the supernatural, paranormal aspect of it is really sort of kept to a minimum, honestly, even though it is there. It's still more of a dramatic show, mm. but it's interesting. And the interaction between the characters is really well done for the most part. And even characters you hate at first, you sort of start to end up liking a little bit as the show goes on, which I think is by design. They chose really good actors for that show, I thought. I Each think one so. of them played their role well. They did do a good job. Because sometimes you get young actors and you can tell, yeah, but they, they did they did really good. All, all of them on it, I was happy with. I wasn't happy with the jump scares. There's a heck of a lot of them. <laughs> I think jump scares are cheap, a cheap way. It's not really a scare. It's a startle. Mm-hmm. And you're scared just because of your adrenaline reaction mm-hmm. you have, but it's not really a something that you have to put focus in. And make it psychologically scary. One interesting thing about the show, I thought, was um, the doctor was played by the woman who did the role of Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street from the 80s. Mm-hmm. So if you're a fan of that, you'll recognize her in this. I didn't. I recognized her right away as someone. I was like, I know who that. I, like, I, know I her said, face. she's John Hamm. <laughs> I was like, I know her face. So, of course, I had to go into IMDb immediately and find out. I was like, oh, that's the woman that played Nancy. I was wrong. She was not John Hamm. It was not John Hamm. Mm. Yeah. But that was an interesting little thing they brought in. So, Crystal, what is your rating on a scale of 1 to 12 arbitrarily chosen dog treats. I would also give it a 10. You can't do that. A I've ten taken and a half. the 10. 
Can't do half numbers. I thought you could do halves. You can, but then I have to like create new graphics, and I'm just not doing that. So whatever you give it, I'm okay, rounding I'll give it, it up. I'll give it an 11. How about that? Okay, that'll work. Okay, 11, because it was highly entertaining. I really enjoyed the cast, and the stories were really interesting because they'll go... It's like an overarching story, obviously, and then they go into the library at night and tell each other's stories, and they act out the stories like... In you know, it's them playing the roles of their own stories, which was fun. Yeah, that was a neat to little see thing. them do different things. Yeah, so that was cool. And it's like characters from all over the show that you'll see pop up, like someone's mom, someone's dad is in this episode. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting the way they did it. And I've always been a fan of like the R.L. Stein, Christopher Pike, young adult when I was young. When I used to go, you remember the book fairs we'd have at school. I always got Lamborghini posters. I could not wait for that day. And then I would order like Fear Street books and stuff. And choose your own adventure books. Those used oh. to be the things I really liked oh, when okay. I was a kid. Though. I remember there's a series that I really loved. And it was like, the way it worked is the story starts in the beginning. And then it's like, if you do this, go to page eight. Oh, if you okay. do this, go to page 24. Uh, and if it told you to go to page 24, you're pretty much doomed. Because that's where the ghost gets you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I ever Usually. read those. I was more of a fan of like the horror, but not, it's not as scary well, you as. You was the, always being a little bit more um, intellectually stimulated in your head by the harder things to read than me. Yeah, I wasn't reading adventure books. I was all. reading comic books. I've never read a comic book that I'm aware of. So. She's never bitten into a sliced tomato. I've never bitten into a slice of tomato. She's not even American. I think, she, I think she might be a witch. I may be, and you may be a vampire. But yeah, we recommend. <laughs> You're so on the most effective vampire I've ever lived. <laughs> I can't believe my other two still on. So anyway, go watch The Midnight Club on mm. Netflix. So that's going to bring us to the portion of our show that we like to call Layla, Layla and, and Coffee, Coffee Talk. Talk. So it was an eventful day the other day for Layla because she had to join me. And I'll let Crystal tell you about it because I'm such a good husband and dog father. You are because I scheduled my nail appointment, which is a standing nail appointment every two weeks. And I thought it was on a Monday, but it was a Tuesday. And I had scheduled Layla's vet appointment, her yearly checkup Mm -hmm. at the same time. So you got to take her for her vet appointment. Oh, 93.8 pounds of her. Yeah, so we finally got her weight is 93.8 pounds, like you said. It was a few days ago. It might be 110 now. So we've had her on that diet for a little while now, so we think it's working. She's gotten thinner. I think so. The vet told me that she should weigh 75 pounds. Yeah, so so we've got to. We got to like start completely measuring her food out and. Trying to get her in an extra walk. Not just measuring it out, but determine the amount of calories. Oh, the calories, that's what I mean. And portioning that out in such a way that she doesn't kill us. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we do measure the amount of food, but we got to me- measure the caloric value, which is what I'm working on now. So, yeah. But while, she, while you were gone with her, coffee. Mm. Tell she us about coffee. She almost lost it. See, whenever you grab a leash, these... Dogs both go insane. So I knew that in order to take Layla out the door, I was going to have to get to the leash. So I had to put coffee upstairs and put up the baby gate that we use so she couldn't come down there. Because I thought, yeah, surely she wouldn't hear it. Well, the instant I got her to go up the stairs and put up the gate, she immediately started howling and barking and crying and whining louder than 
ever. And our son, Ethan, was supposed to be here to be with her when this happened. But for whatever reason, he was running a little late. a little late. He got here a few minutes after I left. But she had to be by herself for a little bit. And it sounded like I was beating her with a rubber hose. It was just She's never been left alone before. And she's never been separated for Layla, except when she went to the vet. You know, that's the only time that she's been away from Layla. So she does not take it well. She did not love it. So Ethan came in and he said she was crying. He immediately had to take her out for a a jog. So she got to run around the neighborhood. She got very tired. That that calmed her down. So when I got back, they were both crashed out on the bed and she was happy. The poor dog. And then a few minutes later, you and Layla showed up. So all was right with the world when we were all back together again. And coffee was made whole. Yeah, she cannot be separated from Layla or... You or me, all three of us at once is the a nightmare. Has to stay together. Yeah, that's, that's what they, the they. That's their mentality. There's two rules. Rule number one: the pack stays together. Rule number two: coffee's in front of the pack at all times. Yes, she leads the pack. She has to. She's the point dog. <laughs> so if you want to find us online, go to scarysavannahandbeyond.com. You can find us on all social media sites by using the username at scary savannah. Please go check us out on YouTube if you're listening to this on an audio podcast. Our channel is youtube.com forward slash Scary Savannah. Make sure to enter our monthly merchandise giveaway by going to our website and clicking on the tab that says giveaways. Enter a little easy information. And on the first episode of November we draw, you could win a t-shirt or a mug. There's a lot of options on both now on our store. We also are having a special Halloween episode that's going to release on Halloween. It's going to be a special for Halloween and also a celebration of our one year of podcasting. Yeah. And it's going to be Brett an amazing a cake. disaster. You've got to watch it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it turned out exactly as you might expect. As no, far as you I actually thought. did a really good job. People need to check in and see it. I'm not a total disaster. No, I mean, I, we I can't posted... can't keep my fangs on for more than 37 <laughs> seconds. We posted I, some pictures of the cake that I made. And so if you want to see Brett's uh, interpretation, you want to see his interpretation of that cake, you got to check out the episode on Halloween. It's, it's kind of an abstract. It gives you the idea. It's an abstract, which means that, you know, it could be exactly like yours in some alternate universe. Yeah. But make sure to keep looking for that. We'll post more about that on social media as it gets closer, but it will be released on Halloween, right? Yeah. On Halloween. So I better get to editing. You better get started. Please go view our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash scary savannah. You can join, and for as little as $3 a month, you can get exclusive extra content. We release at least one new episode a week on there, sometimes more. It would help support us and would also give you some cool new stuff about cryptids, which is a very entertaining subject, especially the Slide Rock Bolter, which is her favorite. We talk about it on that series. We also have a sale going on on our merchandise in our store with a bunch of new designs. So if you go to our website and click the tab that says Merch, go to our store, you'll see the sale. It's going to be going on through October and get yourself some cool gear to represent these cool people. Well, she's cool. I've got one thing, (laughs) and I think my hair is sticking up in the back at this point. I think it looks good. It's a good location. Wear your hair like that all the time. 
And one last thing, make sure to buy my lovely witch, witch, a coffee. That sounded so much worse than I intended it to. <laughs> buy my lovely co-host a coffee to support her coffee habit and the podcast. So I can continue to drink coffee at 1230 a.m. <laughs> 1230 a.m. When she should probably drinking. be in bed asleep. I should be, but you I'm can... about to go watch the Astros and the Yankees. She hates the Yankees. I hate them both, but. Well, you hate the Yankees more, I imagine. Yes. You can go down to that little yellow cup icon on the bottom left-hand corner of the screen and make sure that you click on that and leave her between one and all of the coffees in the universe to help support the podcast, keep us funded, and we're going to keep trying to grow and bring you more and more content. And one last thing we'd like to ask, please go leave a five-star review and rating on our podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or Good Pods or Podchase or whichever one you prefer. You can also rate it on Audible. And Audible. I think a lot of different platforms allow you to do it. But yeah. if you can take a few minutes out of your day to do that for us, we would really appreciate it. And if you do, send us a message on our website and let us know you did. And we'll send you some free stickers. And we might have somebody hop on broomstick and bring them to you. I'll fly them right over. Fly them right over. Girl my, Friday. My broom in the corner there. It's cinnamon flavored. <laughs> it is. I chewed on it a little bit. So that's going to bring us to that time where I like to hear those 15 sweet little words. Join us next time in Savannah, where the ghosts and the good times live on. But do you know who don't? Your one fang. My one fang. It's somewhere in the floor. <laughs> I've been looking for it the whole dang episode, and it's just gone. Well, we'll use our Roomba. He'll get him. He'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> Roomba's got my tooth. <laughs> Vegas, pick it up. <laughs>